Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode 218. This is the last in-person episode that I recorded while we were on our recent road trip. So this one's also coming to you from Chestertown, Maryland, like the last one about cheese. But this is not about cheese. This is about alpacas. If you've never heard of an alpaca, pause this right now on your phone, on your computer, wherever you're listening. Just go to Google and type it in because they are really cool and unique and fun creatures. I had heard that there had been up some up for adoption in Chestertown. So I was like, wait a second, there's alpaca farms around here? And so I Googled it, researched it, found out about tag along alpacas, reached out to Tracy Abram. She was like, hey, come on by. We have people visit the farm. We can chat. And so her mom joined us. And of course, it was me and Les. And I had a great time learning about these animals. They use them for their fleece and they sell products that are made out of their fleece, like these really soft and warm hats and glove mittens called glittens and socks. But we also got to actually hang out with the alpacas and they have unique personalities and each have their own name and they have this system of a hierarchy of dominance and leadership it's really cool. It's almost like <laughs> really big dogs that are really furry, or not even furry. The word uh, is fleece, and they were really full of fleece because they haven't been shaved yet. They get shaved in April. But I'm going to start giving away all the information you're about to hear all of that. But if you go to the show notes for this episode, you will find a link to their website and their Facebook. And if you reach out to them, if you're in the Chestertown area or along the eastern shore there, they have people come visit. I can't wait to go back and bring some of my nieces and just watch them go crazy as they meet the as they meet the alpacas because it's 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 so much fun. We got to see them get fed and run around and run away from us because they were scared. But it was really cool and uh, it's a unique thing to do. So definitely hit them up if you are in the area. There's also a link to my Patreon account. It's Patreon.com/slash/TheVoyagesTimVetter, and there will be some cool kickbacks and giveaways and things like that. One of my Patreon supporters is going to get one of those alpaca fleece products that I got while I was there. So if you're into that, check out my Patreon. If not, just, you know, do the the uh, word of mouth thing, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff helps to promote the podcast. But for now, enjoy this conversation with Tag Along Alpacas. Cool. Well, first of all, thank you. This is really kind of you to have us at your home and at your farm. And this is exciting for us. We've been talking about alpacas nonstop for the last 24 hours once we uh, heard back from you. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. Are you originally from uh, this area, from Chestertown? Yes. You were born and raised? Born and raised, yes. Wow. Okay. So something I always ask everybody everywhere is what keeps you here? What do you love about it? Gosh. Just the area itself. It's mm. just such a, the people are so friendly and nice. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody helps everybody. It's just like where you want to be. Mm. It seems really like, uh, hello, 
it seems really community-based and yes. it seems like a good place to be doing what you're doing because a lot of people are focused on local. Yes, yeah. And I like the rural atmosphere. I would not want to live anywhere else. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's a departure from where we are in New York. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because we've been talking about this because we went, so Leslie's folks live in the Poconos. So uh-huh. we went to the Poconos to two places in Kentucky, to North Carolina, to here. And it's like most of the country is, <laughs> looks like Chestertown. It doesn't look like New York City. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and they're lucky too. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, different. it's different for me, but I think it's, it's, it's maybe common for a lot of people who are listening. So. Right, yeah. Well, also when people think, well, people outside of the United States I think the perception of the United States they get is often New York City because that's yeah. what's portrayed in movies or right. LA. Right. right. But then to know that that's only such a tiny, tiny part of uh, this country and that yeah. most of the country does not actually look like that. Well, yeah. New York only looks like that in New York City. You know? Yeah, true, true. Much of upstate you know, you New York is. You go to the big is, town and you think, oh, this is how the whole United States is. And then you go outside of town and it's like anybody else. Right. So. Yesterday I recorded with um, two dairy farmers here, uh-huh. probably a more traditional form of agriculture and agribusiness. How did you come upon? Well, this was actually a dairy farm up until ah, 2014. Okay. And even my family before that. So, but things have tra- changed drastically in the dairy business. Yeah. Most small farms have been pushed out and... They were are of an age where they can retire from that and just do farming, crop farms. So did you have the land and think, well, now I need to do something different with it? Uh, no, not it really. Was, it was we, really economically. It just wasn't. We were working seven days a week, 365 days a year, mm. and we're just barely going, making it. Yeah. yeah. So I said. For 60 years. You know, and we, <laughs> wow. and we till you know, several hundred acres besides here. So it was like you till, then you come home and milk, and if there's a problem, you know, and the next day you do the same thing all through spring and fall. So when the dairy company just kept putting more restrictions and more, you know, you do this, you do that, we just said enough's enough. We'll just see. And if we can't make it, we'll go back into dairy, hopefully, Mm. because we kept heifers for a year just in case, and then we, we made out better than we had for years. So, <laughs> so then we yeah. went ahead and sold the heifers, and now we just have beef cows. I see. Dairy's a tough, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You've talked to a couple farms. They're probably large farms, so they have a little more opportunities than small farms. But the alpacas was just something we had been interested in for a long time, and uh, well, I saw, basically her. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm interested in, <laughs> but the prices were just way out of reach mm. for just a small uh, operation like we have. But I saw an article in a paper about a farm about an hour away, so we went to visit them on their shearing day, and a couple months later we had them. <laughs> wow. So I mean, do you? 
start out with a couple and then you breed them? Yeah. You always want to have at least two, preferably three, because they are herd animals. And they have been known to actually die without another alpaca. They're that dependent on each other. We started with four and bred, and now we have 10. And we set 10 as our limit. Because you can just literally keep going. They're very addictive. Yeah. (laughs) And the babies are amazing. So. Oh, do you have any babies now? (laughs) Once we hit 10, we had to say, you know. Well, our youngest is what? Our youngest is three. September? Yes. The youngest is three. The oldest is 12. Okay. And they live to be around 20. Wow. They're pretty hardy. So, you know, you don't have a lot of medical issues typically with them. And they're sort of like babies. When, when, when they're first born, you think, oh, my God. And then about six months old, they're like toddlers. And they're, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> they're like teenagers. <laughs> so they grow quickly. They grow really fast. And they fast. lose their appeal in certain areas. You always think they're cute. But, you know, you wish you could keep them at that baby stage where you could pick them up. Yeah, you, you can know, pick them up. And, uh, and there wouldn't be any tussling or, or you know. Uh, but they grow quickly. Yeah. And they all have personalities. They're just like dogs and cats and any yeah. other animal. You mm-hmm. can pick out, you know, the characteristic that you really love in one and, you know, the other one doesn't have it. Or you find one that you really would like to smack sometimes, <laughs> you know. And But they, they all are just, well, we like animals. But We were on a farm about a week and a half ago, and there was this one, like, head goat who was just, he clearly had asserted his dominance, was butting right. everybody. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I thought I read... There's always a dominant. Among and alpacas. They, of course, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we have one of those two. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we have one ready to take her place in any given second that she would have the opportunity. <laughs> wow. Does, is that tricky at all for no, you? No, no. not at all. They know their hierarchy and they respect it. They're Whoa. very yeah. smart animals. I mean, they're easy to train. They, they're just, I don't know, there's something really unique about them. They respond to a reward system like a, like a dog would, right? Not, not really. necessarily. No. No. Okay. Um, a not ours. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are able to give theirs treats like shredded carrots, apples. We've tried everything and really? they are not interested. They're very particular because where they're from they're just out grazing, and they need to be particular because you don't want them to eat something that's going to hurt them. And there's a lot that does hurt them, right? Yes, there's lists of yeah. different things, you know, that you want trees to avoid. You can't have certain trees <clears throat> around them. Certain trees. Because they try to stand up and, you know, eat on the tree, so you get a... I can't remember what tree it was we had there, to take down. Uh, well, we had to take down all of our cedar, cedar trees, tree. yeah, but that cedar was trees. simply because one of them, who you will see later, has severe allergies. Oh. And c- cedar, she's off the charts allergic to. And once we finally had her tested, because no one, none of the vets could figure out what was wrong with her and found out she was losing fleece because she's allergic to cedar. And there was probably a dozen trees out there. Yeah. Oh. So no wonder she didn't have more problems, but <clears throat> now that's unusual. Okay. That's very unusual. They're indigenous to the mountainous regions of South, South America. America. Peru and Chile, Bolivia. So how do they fare here in the warmer weather? They have adapted very well. Now we have to run fans 
during the summer for them. Outside? Yes. Wow. Yeah, because, well, imagine if you were wearing a fur coat and hat yeah. and gloves <laughs> and everything out in 90-degree temperatures, and it's humid here. Uh. So we keep fans on them. We go out and spray them with a hose probably once a day, and they have a sprinkler out there we can turn on for them, which they love. Oh, my God. That sounds so cool. <laughs> They're not at all spoiled. No. <laughs> now, they hate the rain, but you turn that sprinkler on, and it's like you've Christmas Day or something for them. Yeah. They just oh. flock to it and are loving it. Wow. Now, they're, they're sheared in April, so they start their flea starts growing <laughs> the next day. Yeah. So over the summer, it's not as bad. They really don't get a, you know, almost a full coat to probably November. Uh, but still, when it gets 90 and 95 and it's very humid, we just leave the fans on 24-7. Yeah. So they're sheared once a year? Once a year, once a year. yes. And, and is, it's fleece? How much fleece do you get from it that? It depends on the animal. Um, some have average, more than others. Yeah. Um, it at least a couple three, pounds up yeah. to maybe five. Three to five pounds. Wow. And so I'm trying to like picture that in my head. So about then you'll end up with 50 pounds of fleece for the year. Uh, well, yes. Well, and it depends. Like I say, we have one who has not very good fleece at all, but... She's sweet, and mm. we would never get rid of any right. of them for any yeah. reason. And then we've got a couple that have phenomenal fleece, yeah. and they're going to give, you know, three times as much as she does. Oh, okay. Yeah. And theirs will be, we won't use hers necessarily for yarn. We'll use it for other products. I see. Where the prime fleece is what we're going to use for yarn. Yeah, the younger the animal, the better Oh. The, the baby alpaca go, is premium. I mean, you, you know, everybody who's in the business wants the baby alpaca because it's it's like cashmere. It's better than cashmere. Wow. But that's just you know, a term. That doesn't yeah. mean they're a baby. No. It no, it just means the very first year. It's a rating year. of the fleece. You yeah. can have it tested, and they test the micron counts. Okay. And the lower... The micron counts is better, and it's considered baby alpaca, but the animal could be five years old. Is it anything like with cows where they say, like, happy cows with a clean diet may produce better beef? Like, is, is Well, that... yes, you definitely. Their fleece is affected by things like stress, stress. Oh. Um, their food. You know, you want to give them a high-quality diet. They're very efficient at processing food. Um, they have a chambered stomach, just like a cow. They're a ruminant. So everything they eat, they utilize. Okay. And then what they expel is a cleaner manure that you can use as a soil enhancer in your house plants, your gardens, air fields, you know, anything. So everything is usable. I was fascinated. So your website's fantastic, and everyone listening knows they could link uh, I'll link directly to it in whatever player they're listening to. But I was fascinated by the fact that they always go to the bathroom in the same spot. Well, like that's a general. generality. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they have like airs with 10. They have areas, like four or five main areas. And if one goes, they're all going to go. And when you <laughs> clean it all up. They'll they go, go right again. <laughs> they like wait for you to finish because you clean up every day. Yeah. That's the main okay. care that you need to be like on it with them because is cleaning up poop because mm. parasites are the one thing that you need to be careful about. 
so they will watch us clean everything up, and then they'll all go back and do it again. It's almost like one of them will look at you like, see, you cleaned up, but I did it again. (laughs) I believe it's because they think they must be using this, so we're going to provide for them like they provide for us. Not that they're like, ha. Okay. (laughs) See, that's the difference in her and I. (laughs) I see. So the other day, well, we found out about the fact that there are alpacas here because my dad was like, Hey, we saw somebody had three alpacas for adoption somewhere within uh-huh. the area. And so, of course, immediately I'm like so upset that we did not adopt them. <laughs> well, it's, it's like anything else. Now that prices have come down on them, more people are able to get them. Uh-huh. And just like, you know, say Labradors become super popular this year. Next year, rescues are going to have Labradors. Right. So it's kind of the same thing. A lot of people get alpacas who haven't had livestock because they're not pets. They are livestock. And they don't realize the care and the time they're going to have to put into them. And then if they can't sell them, they may end up in a rescue and you can adopt that way. Okay. There are farms that let you adopt in the in the way that you pick out the alpaca that you want to adopt you don't have any say or ownership over it but you can come and visit it and say this send, is mine yes, right right and you can you know adopt that way too okay but people who are you know people like we we've, we've got people come up here and say oh we'd love to have them and i said well that you know you say that now, but if you're not used to animals, they do require some attention every day. Right. And if you don't feel well or you want to go on vacation, you can't say, well, here, here's enough feed for a week. I'll see you next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's every day. It's every day. So in addition right. to grazing, you have to supplement with? They have yeah. hay 24-7 okay. that we grow. Orchard grass hay is the best for them. We do a mix of orchard grass and alfalfa. Uh, They get a supplement of pellets once a day, about a cup a day. They have a heated and cooled water 24-7. They have minerals 24-7. And they know when they need the minerals. We don't have to Ah. put it on their feet or anything. They know if they need to eat them. They'll go through spurts. And where they're, you know, they're eating minerals all the time, and then for months they don't eat any vent, you know, anymore. They just know they need them. And then we leave baking soda out for them because if they get, it's like an antacid for you. If uh-huh. you had an upset stomach, you'd take Tums. If they have an upset stomach, they've got the baking soda there, and they know to take that. I know they're, they're in, I guess it's camelid, like in the <laughs> camel, camel family. Okay. Yes. So we had been in Morocco, and Leslie's uh, camel was quite temperamental and was gurgling and spitting a lot. Uh huh. Do, do they get that kind of? <laughs> oh yes, they can definitely <laughs> spit. Usually, it's only at each other at feeding okay. time, unless you something has really <laughs> upset them. Like we have one that came from a not so great situation, oh. and if you stare at her, you will probably get it, and it doesn't hurt. But it smells like nothing you'll oh, ever experience no. in your life, and it clings to you. Yeah. But that's their only defense, really, right. is to spit. 
I mean, most of, even like sometimes dogs will, will like urinate in the house if they're upset at you. Yeah, like, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, it, it's a it's a coping mechanism yeah. for them, and usually I see it more when you go to feed them because mm-hmm. they each they they have individual bowls, but we have a couple that try to yeah. block theirs in <laughs> as quick as possible so they can shove the other one out of the way and get an extra bite. Uh, yeah, and there's a couple that will say, "Oh no, we're <laughs> right. not doing that," and then they start a spitting contest with each yeah. other. So uh-huh. if you happen to be up. in the middle, you could get it. Yeah. Wow. But like I just stay there watching. It doesn't hurt. So it's happened to you. you oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You will survive, but it's. And when when you go to do the um, the vet part, which is to give them the shots for the parasites, you know when they when we first started. They none of them liked it, but now oh. they know the routine, and very seldom. And they it's know so they're going to get extra feed afterwards. Yeah, you know, we we, <laughs> we always give them extra afterwards. So very seldom. Yeah. Do you ever get spit on? Mm. But I mean, it doesn't kill you. <laughs> you no, just wash it, just it off stinks. and go. You know. Yeah. If they're not familiar with you, is there a technique to approach? Because their their eyes are forward facing, right? Not on right. the side. Yeah. So you you just want to like with any animal, avoid the back end. Yeah. They can kick, and it is gonna hurt. Oh, yeah. It's not gonna take you out, you know. But they don't want to be fooled with. They typically like to have their neck stroked. Okay. So just like a horse, you're gonna approach them at the shoulder typically, and just stroke their neck. And they come to you if they want to. Right. There's no, I'm gonna make you do this you know if they want to see you they're going to come up and children have a tendency especially small children they see an animal and they think of it as a dog and they run instinctively and so we try to tell them please don't run at the animal Mm -hmm. because then the animal's going to run the other direction Uh, and they all start running one whatever one does they all they all do so somebody could get hurt in the process you know, if there's several children around. So we say, please just stand still. They will come to you or we will take one and hold it so you can pet it. Oh, wow. But they and love children, kids. Yeah, they, they, oh, they, they do. Will they will come up to a child much. Before they will an adult. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it's the stature or what, but they like kids. Yeah, they do like kids, but, but children don't understand yeah. that they can go up to a dog and pet them, you know. And they have no problem. Yeah. But with an alpaca, it's not a domestic. And, and an adult is almost as bad. Adults think, oh, well, aren't they cute? And they're going to try to grab them. And, of course, if they don't want to be caught, you know, they'll, they'll sway mm-hmm. away or, you know, take their head and kind of knock at you and scare you. We've, had, we've been here, what, nine years with these animals. Mm-hmm. So we've seen it all. Did, did people come just to visit? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we do that. ask, please make an appointment. Yeah. Because we're always doing stuff somewhere. Well, yeah, we're I not just grass. sitting here, you know, <laughs> waiting for people. So please call, email. Yeah. And sign a release that and, we're yeah, not responsible we to... if you do something stupid. Well, I've, I've got a gang of nieces, so I'm like, <laughs> we will definitely bring them. Yeah. Um, and everybody's fascinated by them. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. W- what is the... the so? You have the fleas. Right. How does it become okay, these so socks here? We shear them once a year, typically in April. It depends. You know, our shearer, who is amazing, will contact us in January to get on the list. And then he'll usually contact us again about a month in advance and say, this is the day I'll be there. And uh, so you work around his schedule. There just aren't a lot of them, especially really good ones like him. So we you have will to have shear. a professional. Yeah. Okay. 
we'll share them and then we'll separate as we're shearing them. The blanket is the prime fleece and that's what we're going to use to have our yarn made. And then you have seconds that you can use for like rug yarn and different things, different other products. And then thirds is the least desirable fleece, which is like their lower leg, the stuff that's going to get, I guess, yeah, beat up a lot, you know. And we'll use that for like dryer balls, nesting balls, things like that. So once we have the fleece separated, we'll then skirt it. You have to lay the blanket out. We pick out any dirt, sticks, hay, poop, poop, (laughs) (laughs) anything, you know, that doesn't belong in there. And then we take it to a mill and they will turn it into whatever kind of yarn we want. We keep all the colors natural. Okay. You can dye it. And uh, even after we've had it turned into yarn, if you want to dye it, you can dye it. But we just keep the natural colors. And then we can also send fleece to the New England Fiber Co-op, and then we can get products back. And that's fleece from all over the United States can be sent there. Okay. What, what is the difference between that and, like, wool or cotton? Well, the, the alpaca fiber is the most luxurious fiber it's much softer. It's much warmer. It lasts forever. We've had people come see us at the market that have had sweaters oh, yeah, handed down through generations old. of people. And they'll, just to show us, you know, look how old the sweater is. It's still in great condition. And uh, a lot of people also like the fiber because the animals are not hooved. They have two toes with nails on the top and padded bottom. So they don't destroy the ground okay which is a problem with like cashmere goats and cashmere you know sheep they've and just hyperallergenic right um For people who are allergic to wool can, can usually wear. wear unless they're you know super and and we found out just through the process of doing this for years uh the first mill we went to processed everything you know, uh, sheep, rabbits, dogs, whatever, you know, came through the door. Well, then you sort of have cross-contamination. Even though they clean their machines, there still could be, you know, some flakes in right. the air. It's the lanolin so, that people yeah. are allergic to. So now you know. we take it to a place that only does alpaca. So there's no cross-contamination. So, uh, yeah, we, we don't have to Yeah, we don't worry. Because there are, we have had a few people though that have been super allergic. Yeah. Um, you know, and said, "Well, we we still have a problem, but they, I think they have a problem with everything." <laughs> you know, it's like they they really don't know yeah, what to wear. There right. are some people that just can't wear a natural fiber. Yeah. Right. But because the alpaca does not have lanolin, you typically won't have any kind of reaction. And wool is a barbed fiber, which is why it itches a lot of people. And alpaca is smooth, so you don't have that aspect of it. There's just no downside to it, other than there's not as much of it. And wool holds the moisture, like with wool socks. You know, they're warm and they're durable, but they do hold the moisture. Just a little closer, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, wool does hold the moisture. That's the one bad thing that people say, well, I love wool socks, but after a while, like Hunter's, you know, it does get wet, where you can put our socks on 
like hiking and, we, and, stuff and we have hunters and they say never going to go back mm. <laughs> you know and i know construction people that have bought you know our, our hairdresser you know gets her husband he's in construction and he says man they're the best socks i've ever had on <laughs> <laughs> and actually, one of the places that we can get some of our socks from, they sent their socks to a lot of the people who ran the Iditarod. To te- that's like the ultimate test. Yeah. And they absolutely loved them. So, Yeah, I was uh, traveling through South America a few years ago and um, not very prepared for the climate changes that I was going to experience. I like started in Colombia, went down to Chile and back up. And by the time I hit Bolivia, I just invested in a bunch of alpaca socks and sweaters, and those kept me so warm. Yeah, it was it was definitely worth it because it's not a super heavy. Yeah, it's like weight. So you know, when you put on, you know, say a sweater, you may think there's no way this is going to keep me warm, but it is. How like how would this differ from having llamas and shearing llamas? Are they similar? It's a different fiber. Oh, okay. Llamas are more of a pack animal. People use them for hiking, things like that. And they, a lot of people have been able to breed over the years for a nicer fiber out of llamas. But alpacas are just used for their fiber. It's it's just the nicest fiber there is. Well, llamas' fiber is really not the quality that an alpaca is. Right. But yeah. that's not to say there are no llamas no, out sure. there that well, yeah. haven't been bred to produce a real right. high-quality fiber because there are people that have really put a concentration on that. But it, there's just nothing that's going to compare to the alpaca. But for me personally, I could not handle a llama. You know, they're just stronger, bigger oh, animals. Oh, okay, that makes alpacas. sense. They're about twice the size, so yeah. it's a big difference. They can interbreed, though, right? Yeah. Well, oh. it can happen, but oh, okay. you don't want it to happen. Okay, okay. Yeah, you want to keep the lines of both pure. Okay. You look at one of ours, like when you go out, and one of them does have, I, it's, I, I call her horse face sometimes, <laughs> because she, but I love her to death. But she doesn't look like, you're, like the rest of them, you know. She's longer necked, bigger face, ears. So she has more of an appearance of the llama. But her, but she is, you know, she's, yeah, she's is, she is definitely she is an alpaca. She's just a big girl. You know, we, when, we, it, 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 when we started with this, we knew nothing other than the general information that you get. But I, you know, we, this is how we picked ours out. She picked out, we said, we agreed on Fiona. She was the greeter. We said, well, this will be nice if we ever get into really doing anything with it. Then she'll come up and greet everybody. That can be a little intimidating, because she is a big girl. Because she's a big girl. Are like, whoa. Uh, we got, uh, she got Nikki because Nikki had buck teeth and was so ugly in the face. And she said, nobody will want her. So, of course, I said, okay. I said, I, you know, she is ugly, so we'll take her. So, and Autumn was just this petite, sweet-looking little girl. And I said, well, we got to have a cute one. And then Ozo was a male. But... He was too small to be bred, to breed. So the the owner said, you know, if we have him fixed, you know, and clipped, then we'll give him, to, because he has really nice fleece, then you can take him as a fiber animal. And, of course, you don't mix male and females together anyway. Ah, okay. You have to keep them separate if they're intact males. That's why the uh, ones that we have 
you know, the babies that have been born that have been male, we've had them fixed within a year because they get rowdy and would bother the female constantly. And we don't, we have enough land here, as you see, but then we don't really, you know, it would just be, you'd be constantly fencing off areas and having to put water in different areas and stuff. So we just basically, and we, and, and the males have fighting teeth. So uh, you either have to have them taken out or filed down. And different pe- yeah. alpaca people have different ideas on things like that. Yeah. Um, so don't, you know, call yeah, me. This is just, this me. is this just, yeah, works just, for yeah. us. There yeah. are alpaca people who are just, you know, feel like males and females need to be completely separate, regardless of whether the males are intact or not. We yeah, have we never had an issue with our males being with our females because they are castrated at an early age. And uh, our females are very dominant. So it's just what works for, for us, different people. It's just like with medical things, with alpacas. There's few hard and fast rules. So if you were to ask five different owners, you know, what would you do for this? You're probably going to get five different answers because that's what's worked, you know, for each of them. Right. So, um, you know, it just depends on what works for you. And if we felt like it, since we have the beef cows, we could probably just let them go with the beef cows. But then you do have more chance of them stepping you don't into want a different, parasite issue. You know, parasites. So we keep ours separate. Other people will put them with horses, goats, sheep, and they say they have no problem. So it's whatever the this, person who owns it get you know can do this might be weird but like can can you do anything with their milk once they're they're nursing no no okay. <laughs> <laughs> no camel milk has become very popular it's apparently oh. very nutritious but you're looking at an animal that's what 10 times the size right you know of an yeah. alpaca um and you know alpacas are going to produce enough for their baby. For their baby. Okay. It's not going to be a lot of extra, and I've never and they, heard of it, but, you know, <laughs> and I don't, time, you, know, you <laughs> never know. If we're in New York City a year from now, I and you're ordering a latte no. with alpaca milk, <laughs> you heard it here first. Right. It would be, it would interesting. be interesting to watch if I you can tried say they it. would not be, they would not be up for that, but. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anything's possible. Do people now... Uh, ever consult with you like you did when you first started out? Oh, yeah. We, we've had a lot of people. Um, when we first did this, the plan was to breed them and sell the Koreas and, you know, kind of have that type of a business. But once we had the babies, we realized we, we couldn't were sell not going to be able to sell them <laughs> yeah. because everybody who came... We could find a reason not to sell to them. <laughs> yeah. So finally, we just said, forget it. We're not selling the animals. But people, one thing about people um, with alpacas, they are always willing to help other people. I can, right. I can look online and call any random alpaca person and say, yeah, and ask a question. this is, you know, I'm having a problem. What do you think? And they will not hesitate to uh-huh. help in any way they can because... They just love the animals. It's not like a highly competitive industry. And you've noticed it growing, though? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, because of, like I say, like the prices, they, years ago, you would spend easily $25,000 for an alpaca. Mm. So then, you know, not many people are going to be able to do that. Yeah, and we know but, a couple who spent fifteen, and I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they've only been here since the 80s, so the predominant thing was to breed, to build up, the amount of alpacas in the U.S. because they came in the 80s. In the early 90s, they stopped allowing you to import them. Mm. So what's here is what's here. Wow. So you're, you know, you're only going to increase the herd through breeding. And people didn't really worry much about the fiber or anything else. They just were selling these animals, and there weren't a lot of them, so they were getting top dollar for them. Now there's a lot more of them, and people are more focused on the fiber end of it. And the prices have come down drastically. drastically. So a lot more people can have them. And some people will just have a couple. If you're, you know, you like to spin yourself the fiber, you may just have a couple of your own that you make your own stuff with. Or, you know, you just want to have them because they're nice. Uh, do you know of any, like, large commercial operations in the U.S. that... Oh, yeah, they're Virginia's out west. One of the original farms, um, Snowmass, is huge. Oh. <clears throat> wow. Well, this uh, is really unique and fascinating, yeah. and uh, I'm really happy to, to meet you both and to do this. I think we'd love to go <laughs> meet yeah, some alpacas. Definitely. So I'll tell everybody, again, just go to the app you're listening to this in. There'll be a link to your website. Um, you've got some social media accounts and stuff too yes. that I'll link them to. So thank you so much for doing this. It's thank a real you. pleasure. All right, Voyagers, that is a wrap on episode 218 of TVTV, The Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. You can go to my Instagram account to see pictures of of those alpacas. <laughs> we had so much fun. Ah, I can't wait to go back and to bring some people because this was the first time I ever got to see alpacas and I want to share the love with my friends and my family. All sorts of stuff booked for you here. I got all the stuff that I couldn't record while I was down in Kentucky and Maryland with the people that I made connections with. So there's going to be some remote stuff. We got a bunch of in-person things booked here in New York. I've got my second zine at the printer getting printed. So now I'm working on the third. So much stuff going on. It's overwhelming, but it's fun and it's exciting. And this is the stuff that I love to do. So stay tuned for all this. You can always hit me up at thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail.com. Instagram is thevoyagesoftimv. That's really the main social media I use. You can find the Voyages of Tim Vetter on Facebook. I do post on there a bit. But otherwise, just stay tuned to the podcast. Lots coming. So thank you so much, Voyagers, as always, for all the support and all the listens and all that good stuff. Uh, I really, really love doing this. And I had a, oh man, I had such a good two weeks. So I hope to uh, keep the good times rolling here. Okay, thanks one final time. And as always, please, please, please take care of each other. Catch you soon. Mm-hmm.